Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the sound you've waited months to hear. It's caused some of your greatest triumphs. The Duke Blue Devils win the military bowl. And your biggest heartbreaks. The Duke Blue Devils are going to set a record here this afternoon. Never before have they won 10 games in a season. It's the option at Georgia Tech. It's Howard's Rock. The smoke in Miami. 35-40 Leonard's loose. And every Saturday, you tap that sign. The wait is over. College football is here. Welcome back, folks, to the Wesson Walker Show on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Team Week continues for the Duke Blue Devils. And to continue with that, I've got on the Body Works Plus guest hotline a man that is fifth in Duke history and career receptions. Seventh in touchdown receptions of 20-plus yards. He's tied for 10th in both career touchdown receptions and most 100-plus yard receiving games. I'm talking about Jalen Calhoun, a.k.a. J5, joining Wes and Walker. Jalen, how you holding up, man? Has camp gotten the best of you yet? Oh, no, we still grinding. We still grinding. Everything good, though. So I want to know, man, when, when we were in camp, the the days, we called it Groundhog Day. Every day was the same. So do you guys still call camp days by the days of the week, or do you use numbers like we used to? We just called it day five, day six. Do you guys do that? Oh, yeah, it's still the same. It's still day one, day two, day three, all the way to day, you know, <laughs> 16. <laughs> all right, so take us through you guys and – Finished last season nine and four. Lots of expectations. Eighteen starters returning. Yourself, one of the stars of this football team. Take us back to uh, the season ending and you guys looking forward to the season ahead in 2023. And just what's this off season been like? What's the mantra of this team as you guys prepare for a big season this year? You know, definitely. Uh, last year was definitely great. Um, we definitely took it all in, enjoyed the moment, but we knew when we came back, uh, it was it was work to be done, uh, you know, and the job wasn't finished. So um, this spring, you know, we just had to keep our culture going, um, just keep on putting in hard work because, you know, like this year coming up, you know, we're going to have a tougher schedule and we're ready for it. So we're just putting in the work and just keeping our culture together. Duke wide receiver Jalen Calhoun joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Jalen, we had a chance to talk with Riley Leonard at ACC kickoff, and I asked him about his first impression of Mike Elko coming over as the head coach. He said what he loved about Coach Elko was that he said, we're going to win now. We're not going to wait a year and then start to try to build a program from there. You guys are going to win right now. And Riley said after that shutout you had against Temple in week one from last year, he knew that y'all were ready to do something, certainly improve from the year prior and something special. What was your first impression of Coach Elko? And when did you know, oh, okay, we're actually going to go on a season nobody expected us to go on? Hey, first of all, when I first met Coach Elko, like, I loved him like from the jump. Like He brought so much energy, so much passion. Um, and everything into our meetings and everything. And then I really realized we were going to have a special year in camp. Uh, really, like, every we still, like, breaking PRs in the weight room and just doing different things in camp that I just, 
like I didn't see before that we uh, we had going on. So like when he just brought that, I just knew it was going to be a special year for us. What was the difference? So, so when I asked Riley too, he said he wasn't going to transfer at all because you know how it is when a new coach comes in, some players will eventually transfer out, and that's just kind of the business. But you are sticking around. Riley Leonard sticks around. Was there any thought to transferring after you had the switch in head coaches from David Cutcliffe to Mike Elko? No, I always believed in tr- trusting the process, um, trusting in training. Um, I heard about Coach Elko at, at um, Texas A and M. Um, so I knew he was a, a great coach, a um, great person. So um, I just want to see what he was about, and I'm glad I stayed. Well, Jalen, talking about that offense of the Duke Blue Devils and you and Riley Leonard, the connection that you and him established last season, just talk about Riley and, and what you think about him and yourself included. You guys are such good players, but not a lot of people around the country knows about you guys just yet. So talk about the connection uh, with you and Riley Leonard and also uh, how great of a player you think that he is. Great dude, great player, smart quarterback, he's a leader. Um, you know, he he does he tries to do everything right and just get us all in the right position and just lead the team um, to wins, which is the ultimate goal. Um, you know, when we when I first met Riley, like we kicked it off from the jump. Um, when he was playing as a freshman, um, and I seen I had seen his talent talent then, um, and it just carried on. We just put in work together, us throwing with the receivers every weekend, just putting in extra work um, to know where, where what the ultimate goal is. And he's just, he's just been such a great leader for us and just leading his team. And I and you know obviously that that transition onto the field. But um, me and him having a great connection, but he has a great connection with all his receivers and all everybody on the offense too. Um, so such a great leader, great guy. Uh, yeah, Jalen, be honest, right? Because this is somebody in Riley Leonard who only had 62 passing attempts in 2021, and then obviously that blossomed into what was a very good year from him last year in 2022. Did you know? Like, hey, Riley's the guy. I mean, I, not to disrespect anybody else, but with Riley having this kind of ability, I know you talked about how much you thought of him. Did you know that Riley was probably going to win this thing and he was going to do some special things? I knew he was definitely special. I feel like all our quarterbacks are really great. They uh, are transitioning to great quarterbacks and stuff. Um, but Riley, Riley definitely stood out for sure. Um, he just stood out more of the leadership part. Um, so that's how I like, kind of knew he was going to get that starting job. And then, Jalen, when you guys just think about the perception of you guys across the country, how much does that infiltrate the locker room when you know that you guys came off a 9-4 and four season, beat a really good program soundly uh, in UCF, but yet people are still voting you guys towards uh, the middle of the conference? Uh, I actually have you guys number two, by the way. Look at I just you. wanted to throw that Going in there. Butter, but what do you guys up. think about that, and uh, how much does that infiltrate the locker room in you guys' thought process? No, it doesn't. Uh Kind of like so we have a saying on offense like we just stay in the greenhouse um keeping everything internal just staying focused on what the main goal is um not letting outside voices affect what's going on um so i mean we we all know where our goal is at the end of the year um and that's what we get into so you know everybody can have their opinion uh on what they want to think but you know we know our goal so that's all that matters to us Another fantastic player on you guys' roster is Graham Barton. And this is a guy that PFF has as the number two returning offensive tackle in all of college football. Take us inside of what makes him uh, such a great player and tell those out there just how great he is for those who are unfamiliar. 
hard worker. I, I feel like it, uh, a lot of people um, underrate his his work ethic and his leadership. Um, he puts in a lot of work in the weight room, a lot of work in his craft and what he does, and um, and that shows. So <laughs> him being number two and the nation coming back, I, I definitely believe like, that's a spot for him for sure. Jalen Calhoun joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ on Wesson Walker. Jalen, I wanted to ask about the difference in the offensive system with Kevin Johns taking over as the offensive coordinator when he did. How, how, how different was it from a 2021 year where the numbers were towards the bottom in the conference and then in all of college football, you guys greatly outperformed expectations? Uh, Coach Johns coming in uh, completely changed you know, the whole offense around. It was my, my first time seeing the offense like that. Um, and it was a great a great experience, obviously, going 9-4 and four last year. Um, and now, I mean, it's taking a whole another step up to level two. Um, so, smart guys, very genius, genius-like in drawing up plays and uh, putting everybody in the right positions. And he actually loves football, which I love so much about him. Um, he wants to win, so his competitive nature and everything just brings the offensive culture and offense along with him. Um, so we would definitely go to battle with him every game. Jalen, I wanted to know also, with all this conference realignment conversation, right? Like, I know a lot of it gets into the weeds with some of the financial decisions that have to be made, trying to bring in a Stanford or a Cal. I know that has been, you know, put on hold or at least, you know, at, at least ended now. But when you see schools that do not match geography but at least in, on the map anywhere close to where you guys are what is your thought process as a player when you see some of the storylines come out about conference realignment and how much the ACC could change honestly I love football uh so much I don't, it doesn't matter where I play any state some states I haven't been to so it'll be interesting to go go there and, and you know play in that stadium um so yeah that's my thoughts on that so, Jalen, I'll get you out of here on these last two questions. So, uh, you guys coming into this season, starting the season off with the Clemson Tigers, I think this will be one of, if not the biggest home game ever, especially to start the season for the Duke Blue Devils. So, how much are you guys excited about that? We're excited. Um, then again, like we always talk about um, – just staying focused on on our, on our goals, what our goals is for that game. Um, they're they're a good team. We're a good team. Um, so just like you said, it's gonna it's gonna be a good one. To, good one to watch for sure. And then 10 years ago, this Duke program got to the ACC football championship game and played Florida State. So what needs to happen, in your opinion, for this team uh, to be able to get back to that game? Execution. Every 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 weekend, every game, we have to just go out, execute, and just play our game, um, and stay on top of our game. Just stay, put on the gas all four quarters. Um, I feel like the outcome will be ours if we do that. Jalen Calhoun joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Jalen, we're excited to see what this football team does, and we will see you down the road, my man. Appreciate y'all. All right. So Jalen Calhoun right there gave you the deal on Duke football, what to expect from them this season. Did you have any takeaways uh, from that interview? I just think the impression of Mike Elko, everybody talks about how excited they were and how they, I'm just surprised. Here are a couple guys that get recruited by someone iconic within the Duke football system, making them any kind of relevant in David Cutcliffe, an offensive minded guy, by the way, 
And here we are asking two different offensive players in Riley Leonard and Jalen Calhoun, was there any thought to transferring? Because if you move on from that brain to a defensive-minded coach, then I could easily see some of these guys transferring. I, I know Riley Leonard had to address that question maybe a couple times at ACC kickoff, and both of them said, nope, didn't think about it. I believe them. I mean, Riley Leonard said anybody that asked him once, that was it. Nobody was asking him to transfer twice. That was that was the only time, and he was always coming back to Durham. Same thing with Jalen Calhoun, despite coming back as a senior, perhaps wanted to go compete elsewhere because he's good enough to. This is somebody that had 800 yards receiving. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a good wide receiver. You mentioned he's one of the better guys that nobody is talking about. And so the fact that both him and Riley Leonard said, no, Mike Elko made such a lasting impression on us. Kevin Johns, he said, is a genius type of offensive coordinator. The staff just Duke nailed it, Wes, when they wanted to hire a coach to take over for that guy that made them relevant. One of the worst. And it is not far fetched to say they were possibly the worst college football program in the entire power five landscape. Cutcliffe put them on the map and they nailed that hire. Now it seems like they nailed this one to keep all those guys and win with them immediately. Yeah, it just goes to show Duke made a second really smart decision in bringing in the head football coach and two in a row, right? Two in a row. They've nailed it. And the impressive thing about it, too, is for him to be able to retain guys. And I know know they are more likely to stay around uh, if they win. But the fact that you're talking about Calhoun and Riley Leonard, I'm sure they got some big offers to go elsewhere. And the fact that they stay says a lot uh, about the job that Elko and his staff is doing. All right. So I wanted to get to DJ Skinner's text here. Did you really ask an 18 year old football player about conference realignment? Yes, I did. DJ. Okay. First of all, he's 22 years old. He's not 18, which is a big difference. (laughs) Second of all, I didn't expect to hear his thoughts on the financial distribution that takes place between Florida State and the grant of rights and the deal between 20 to go into 2030. I wanted to know from a player standpoint, is there any thought going into this? But also, I feel like we got something. In fact, he's like, yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool to go to different states and play some football. He wasn't worried about the rest or the lack thereof. He wanted to go (laughs) play in Texas, maybe. He wanted to go play in California, possibly. Some states that he's never played for. DJ Skinner, trying to call me out for my questions. I stand by it. I know, and we stand by you, Walker, at Thank all you. times. Thank all right, you. well, when we come that. back on yeah, the West Fiddy, and Walker Show, <laughs> which pass rusher do you believe in more, YGM or Marquise Haynes? That and more when we return on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks to Jalen Calhoun joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline in honor of Team Week. Duke has the light shined on them throughout this week. We will put that interview on our website, WFNZ.com. All you got to do, very simple, just click on the Wes and Walker tab and that segment will be up along with our other best of segments and best of hours. Again, WFNZ.com. Wes asked you before we went to break, what pass rusher do you believe in most? YGM or Marquise Haynes? 
Brian wrote in on the text line at 704-570-9610. Between Gross Matos and Marquise Haynes, give me Haynes all day. I still remember the two sacks he had against the Falcons that sealed the victory last year. He's proven to be a good contributor to the defense. So, Brian, going with Marquise Haynes, you can give your answer again at 704-570-9610. I agree with Brian. We've seen Marquise Haynes get after the quarterback, and that's the role that he was brought in to do when he was drafted out of the fifth round from Ole Miss. We knew that he was small. We knew what his role was going to be. He wasn't going to be an every down defensive end. You weren't going to play him. You weren't wanting to play him in running situations, but on passing, on passing downs, Mm -hmm. Marquise Haynes was going to come in and he was going to be a part of what was a NASCAR package, if you will, right? Like this is someone that can go off of the edge and at least cause some havoc because of his speed. And I like even Coach Lukabu coming in, who is teaching the edge rushers and the outside linebackers. Had a chance to talk with him out at training camp when we visited two Mondays ago. And he said, Marky Saints is bigger than what I imagined. Because everybody's talking about him being a mini-me version of an edge rusher. No, he put some weight on. Clearly still speed is a part of his game. But I'm with Brian. Even with YGM being drafted early in the second round, like starter territory, Wes, and you can see some edge rushers immediately step into the NFL and contribute right away. Mm-hmm. It's it's not like, I'm not going to say it's easy. It's not, but it's a pretty simple job. Get after the quarterback, set the edge, right? You have different nuances that go into achieving your goal, but the objective is simple. Marquise Haynes seems to have a better grasp on his objective and producing at the level you're asking to him to be as a situational pass rusher. That's why Marquis Haynes is the guy I trust more as well. Yeah, I go the same direction because, like I said, YGM is a guy you expected to be a little bit more all-encompassing. You knew when you drafted Marquis Haynes what you were asking him to do, as you said. And then when you go to the grades and look at the analytics, I mean, he's got a higher defensive grade overall and also a higher pass rush grade uh, than YGM. And I know YGM has talked a lot uh, this offseason, he's definitely talked a big game, but I feel like the bringing in of uh, Justin Houston definitely hurt him the most out of the two of these guys as well because Carolina knows that, hey, if we wanted to do something wild, like you said, like a NASCAR package or something like that where you have a Burns and Haynes and Justin Houston uh, on the field, I feel like that that could be effective. But YGM is a guy I think they expected a lot more from uh, because of the size and they wanted a little bit uh, more of an all-encompassing linebacker more than just a situational pass rusher I go YGM as well so if you look at Justin Houston coming aboard this team and I think a lot of people were focusing on Brian Burns okay finally you have a starter they call Justin Houston the starter immediately after signing him and then releasing that depth chart the first 2023 depth chart in light of the preseason game taking place on Saturday against the Jets maybe the question shouldn't be about how much this helps Brian Burns it's going to be one that you go to first and foremost but my question is how much does Justin Houston actually help Marquise Haynes and maybe even YGM because you could view it as it hurts them right not making the team yeah It's going to hurt YGM if that's the case, if he gets cut. But if he makes the team, if he's on the active roster, and you have a couple of guys that you're going to rotate in on passing downs, they can be fresh. They talk about Justin Houston being a good mentor to young edge rushers in this league. So I think that's going to benefit these guys. Marquise Haynes isn't a young buck, but still can benefit learning from Justin Houston, one of the better pass rushers of the past decade. And you don't have to ask as much from them. You were depending on those guys. Frankie Louvu going to be in the mix as well. 
But you are depending a lot on YGM and Marquise Haynes to be the players opposite Brian Burns to put pressure on the quarterback. Now you don't have to put as much pressure on him. And I think that's actually a good thing. Even if YGM comes out, goes to the podium, says the fan base doesn't believe in me, I got to give them a reason to believe in me. And then immediately they go sign Justin Houston, right? Like I know his pride wants to be able to go out there on the football field and be an every down defensive end, every down outside linebacker. I totally get it. But I actually think this is going to be beneficial in the long term for a YGM and a Marquis Haynes, long term and even this year. Yeah, if you do end up keeping both of these guys, you look at it from a depth perspective and maybe between the two of them, you could get one guy. I mean, do you think that makes sense? I'm saying that these two guys can maybe give you six, seven, eight sacks combined between those two on top of what you may get from a Justin Houston and a Brian Burns. So I think that if you do keep both of those guys, it could be beneficial, as you said, to learn from a Justin Houston, also continuing to learn and watch a Brian Burns. And perhaps, like I said, you could get the production out of both of them from a depth perspective uh, that you would ideally want from one guy. Well, and, and you look at Gross Matos, played 377 snaps his rookie season, played 349, so very similar snap counts in his first two years in the league. 2022, 847. So combined, played more than what he had the first two seasons. You depended on him a lot. That was the moment we all wanted him to step up, and it just didn't happen. And so with him entering his fourth season, you're hoping that maybe on a lighter level, could you get some kind of Derrick Brown improvement? Not dominant, right? Again, I'm trying to sell a light version of this. But when we had the whole bus label ready to go, we had that ready for Derek and far from a bus now after the year that he put last year. Could you get something to the point where, all right, YGM not working as a high draft pick, second round pick, like 38th overall. And you're only a few spots away from being a first round pick, very high. So it's a pretty much a bust right now within that context. I wonder if you don't improve. He doesn't improve when we all expect him to. So now no one has expectations for him. And then he actually shows out and provides flashes yeah, I wonder if all of this could be a blessing in disguise for YGM. And if he can, I, I'm pulling for him. Everybody should be pulling for him because it only helps the Carolina Panthers. I wonder if that is the way that you could see him resurrect what so far has been a disappointment of a start to his career. Yeah, there's a lot of different avenues that he could go, but all he can keep doing is just keep on working because he definitely has some guys that if he is fortunate enough to be able to remain on this roster, he definitely has some great tutelage uh, to learn from at this point. So we'll see which direction uh, he ends up going the physical tools uh, have never really gone anywhere it's not like he suffered any major injuries to set him back so this is a guy that still uh, has some good years in front of him if he chooses to so it's going to be fascinating to see how everything develops with the pass rushes the depth and if they do choose to end up uh, cutting someone or, or what they want to do. So as we continue to talk about the depth at linebacker, whether it be inside or outside edge, whatever, anybody with an LB attached to their name outside of Brian Burns, who would you expect to have the best season as a linebacker? Woo. Oh, that's a good question. There are a lot of good candidates, but you I'm going to go with it. I just Louisville, read it on man. the rundown. Yeah, I'm going to go with <laughs> Louvu for sure. Um, I think that this is a guy that's ascending. Uh, this is a guy you, you read about the article and the impact that Kevin Green had on him and now with Dom Capers there uh, as well and what success Capers have been able to have with outside linebackers and uh, linebackers in general in 3-4 schemes. And 
I just like the fact, like I said, the numbers are there with Frankie, and I feel like if he's continuing to play with that hunger and continuing to play with that same aggression he played with last season, and this is the guy that's also going to be playing for a contract as well. And we know uh, NFL players, when money's on the line, how they can step up as well. And so this is a guy that you just love all the tools that he brings, and I think that he could definitely have uh, just as good a year or maybe even better for Carolina this season. Totally agree. I think the answer has to be Frankie Louvu, to be honest. In a contract year, Frank Reich during training camp said, how in the world did we get this guy on this low of a deal? Shocked. Should be playing on a much bigger contract to the point where we're like, hey, Frank, uh, yeah. we want to keep all these guys. We'll be leveraged at some point. You know, it's great. I, I like <laughs> to see these players get paid for sure, but also selfishly as a fan, I'd like to keep them all here in the city of Charlotte. But yes, Frankie Louvu, the reason I go with him as well, not only do you have the motivation with it being a contract year, you have Averro coming in as what is a bright defensive coordinator, but Wes, with this scheme and the players and the depth that you add with Justin Houston coming aboard, with Von Ron Bell coming aboard, helping Jeremy Chin, so you don't have to have any overlap there if you don't want to. You can pick your matchup that you want to exploit and put Frankie Louvu there, right? What, what matchup does Louvu fit best game in and game out? And he's versatile enough to help you out in that area. So now you're not going to pigeonhole him into one specific area that he has to help the football team out every single game. Now you got enough depth, you can move him wherever you think he's going to play best that day. So now he's in a real advantageous position to where you're not going to be put in bad positions. That's going to be fantastic for him. Frankie Lubu is my answer as well. Yeah, because you look at them bringing in Deion Jones and how fast they said that he has acclimated to this defense. So it adds to the depth uh, at the inside linebacker position when you talk about Gruger Hill. And then now you talk about Luvu is going to be able to move around in that defense. They know he had seven sacks uh, last season. They know that he was super disruptive last season getting in the opponent's backfield. So they they don't want to take that aspect away from this defense at all. So you can just play around with a lot of these parts that they've assembled. The depth pieces that they brought in could be guys that could definitely come in and play well for you in uh, longer spots. So we have a couple of pieces that Carolina decided to bring in. Not only do you have Justin Houston, but they also brought in Deion Jones, who apparently is adapting pretty quickly here in Carolina. What's the ceiling as far as an impact from Deion Jones you think could happen this season, Wes? Well, you hear them talk about how his explosion has returned, and this was a guy that we last saw him in Cleveland and didn't put up the best numbers, but just two seasons ago, he had 137 uh, combined tackles. So I think the ceiling for him could be perhaps a guy that it's going to be hard for him to crack the lineup on a regular basis just because I think the four linebackers that Carolina now has with with Justin Houston in the mix is pretty good. So it's going to be hard to do that. But I feel like when Houston does come out of the game, you could perhaps slide Louvu around and do what you want to do with him, and then that could be uh, Deion Jones's chance to play. Uh, I think you could end up seeing similar numbers to what you saw in Cleveland uh, as far as just 44 tackles and interception, two-and-a-half sacks. I mean, I think if you can get that from a back, 
backup linebacker, that would be pretty good production. Yeah, it would be great. I, I can't wait to see more of the defensive side. I, I know we got to see Von Bell in the Camp Confidential episode that dropped yesterday. And so if you haven't checked it out, just go to YouTube, the Carolina Panthers YouTube channel. Just released it yesterday, so it is well worth your time. I think more so focusing on the offensive coaching staff. Didn't see a ton from the defensive coaching staff, Wes. I'll be interested to see a D'Angelo Hall, who we talked about earlier, and just that relationship that they have with the linebackers. You know, whoever you have, whether it be Lukabu, whether it be a Jero Avero, mm-hmm. just the relationships that those guys have defensively. And it does seem like Frank Reich was very happy with what they did defensively against the New York Jets. I know Get Up was talking about it with Mike Greenberg, you know, singing to anybody that will listen to him, hey, we need offensive line help. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers got pressured, and he was frustrated. This is our new quarterback. If you watch Hard Knocks, you know they're going to do anything to please Aaron Rodgers with the way that they're acting. That includes Mike Greenberg, a big-time Jets fan. Carolina put the pressure on him. Carolina is the team that provided that type of reaction and all the panic that's surrounding the Jets. Yes, it's overblown because it's a joint practice, but still like the Carolina did it. You know, dance puppets. You got to take what you can get yeah. uh, at this point. <laughs> 100%. I, I'm excited to see what we're going to get from Camp, uh, Camp Confidential on that side of the ball with some of this coaches, uh, this coaching staff that we've talked about. And you're right, Wes. You talked about it earlier. You got to tip your hat to what Carolina did this offseason, bringing in all that intelligence. <laughs> I mean, everywhere you look, I, who's the who's the weak link of the coaching staff? Yeah. I mean, Ben McAdoo was controversial when they brought him in, right? Like, there there are coaches that every team will bring in. You could point to, uh, well, that's not necessarily a great history. But everywhere you go, it's more positive than negative. Every single coach. And that's why... I think you're really excited, and I can't wait to see some of the more interactions that we're going to get in Camp Confidence. And the big thing, too, is you don't feel like they're doing it for the camera. Like, you feel like that these guys out there, they could care less that the camera's out there, and they even perform like they don't know uh, that the camera's out there, as you said. But guys are getting coached hard. If anything you take away when you watch these guys out there is that the players are getting coached hard, and that's really uh, all you can ask. It's up to the players after that so uh as we said though you, you see so many guys on the staff you feel confident in right you feel confident uh you know in in thomas brown you feel confident in ezra evero some of the bigger name guys on the staff and now in this series you get to see uh some of the lesser known coaches on the staff but you see they're busting their tail just like everybody else which uh you know, points to the totality of this coaching staff being pretty quality. Ryan from Hickory, Crib, he wrote in on the text line, does Justin Houston start week one or will it be a constant rotation opposite Burns? Yep, I think Chart the, says so. I think the answer to both those questions <laughs> is yes. And we do this in basketball too, where who's in the starting lineup because that matters first and foremost. And in reality, it's all about the closing lineup because whoever starts, for sure, there is something that comes with it. Players care about it. It is an e- it is pleasuring the ego of whatever player to put him in the starting lineup. But if you're not closing, that's a little shot to the ego as well. And that's what matters first and foremost. Justin Houston is not going to play a million snaps this year. He's not. He's not going to play that of what Brian Burns is going to play. I think we all know that. He's going to be the starter, but he's also going to be a part of what I think is going to be a constant rotation, Wes. I do think you're going to see still a lot of Marquise Haynes this season. Yeah, I think so too. And these guys have a lot of parts to play with. And so the, the, it's just looking bright right now uh, for this crew and, and coming off of these joint practices, the positive performance. How much are you going to put into uh, what you see on Saturday? Not a lot. 
Everybody's holding back. I mean, I, mean, I want them. I want them to be competitive. I don't want it to be lazy. You know, I think within reason, you want them to be competitive. And sure, I'd love to see them win the game. I think we saw in Hard Knocks too when they were coaching the Hall of Fame game. They still care. You want to go out there and win, and you don't want to just mail it in. But the offensive staff isn't going to show their cards on what they're going into in the regular season. I, I saw Joe talk about how Luvu and Lavisca Chanel they didn't practice and, and yesterday against the Jets. Very precautionary, nothing to worry about, but it didn't practice. And I wonder, all right, so if LaVisca's not playing, but he's been a big old storyline on offense, probably don't want to show the jack-of-all-trades type of stuff. Because you got to be creative to use LaVisca a lot in your offense. You do. And I imagine they're going to be creative in order to use their second-round pick in Jonathan Mingo, who did have a good day against the Jets. So in this game that they're going to play first preseason – you're just looking for good enough football from Bryce Young, get him out healthy, and then we'll see what Matt Corral can do to try to entice another team to view him as trade bait. I'm not asking for a lot. You know, look competent, be competitive, would like to win the game, get out of there unscathed, and look like a competent organization. That's a pretty simple menu. It is. That's all I want. I'm a simple man, Wes. I'm not going to ask a whole lot. <laughs> this is all I want. All I want to right now is a Fitty Flash. Fitty, can you do that? That's all I want. Can you give me a competent... Fitty Flash in the second one of the day. Fitty. I'm not going to give details, but what I am going to say is and ask is that Fitty remembers there are children in the room. I didn't need to see anything you just showed me. Go you, ahead. You asked for a flashing and let's just say... I flashed before I'm your right, eyes. I missed that. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's the benefit of having your back turned to him every once in a while. Uh, take a look around the afternoon MLB scoreboard. Four games in progress right now. The Orioles lead the Astros 2-1 to one in the bottom of the third. The Braves are up 4-3 to three over the Pirates as they go to the top of the fourth. It's 0-0 between the Twins and the Tigers as they go to the top of the third. And the Blue Jays lead the Guardians 1-0 in the bottom of the second inning. Uh, speaking of baseball, just real quickly, Shohei Otani doesn't stop. Great stat line I saw just on the crawl of ESPN watching it this morning. Went, what, six innings, got the win. The Angels got the win with him on the bump. Yeah, first player to have 40 home runs, 10 wins in a single season. Matt Olson has tied Crazy. Shohei. With 40 home runs for the most in all of Major League Baseball, by the way. That guy's absolutely ridiculous. Does his price just keep going up every game, every record that he breaks? Does the number just keep increasing? I want him to get to $100 million. Uh, or, 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 excuse me, not $100 million. I'm sorry. I want him to get to a billion. That's what I want. <laughs> I want him to get to a billion dollars. First billion dollar player. Yeah. The, the thing is, is that if you sign him to it, you're still going to make money. Because if he goes to a big market like the Dodgers, Yankees, oh, Red yeah. Sox... What he's going to do in advertising is going to be historic. My question is, can he do this very thing for five more years, too? I feel like even it's not a simple ask, but it's going to be a relatively short reign as the top player if he only goes one other season. It gets hurt because this is someone that got hurt previously. Yeah. That's still I watch him in fear and in awe at the same time every single time he's on my television. You know what I want to happen? Knock on wood. I want him to be a white sock. I don't want to ruin them. Let's go to the break real quickly. Fire <laughs> Fizzle Sports Reality Shows. It's your favorite. Coming up next, Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The siren is sounding. The warning is here. 
Get to your radio right now because it is the Wesson Walker staple. Fire or fizzle drum. I'm trying to warn you, too. This is what everything gets crazy in the studio. <laughs> this is the event of the week on Wesson Walker. Fire or fizzle sports reality shows. Fitty's favorites talked about favorite sports shows of all time, and it could really be in any category. But Wes is going with the sports reality shows. And the first one we ask him about, if it's fire or fizzle, Titletown High on Netflix. Never seen it, Wes. Tell me if I should. If it's fire, tell me don't watch it if it's fizzle. Well, Titletown High is a Netflix reality show that explores the lives of teens at Valdosta High School, one of the greatest high schools in this great nation in Valdosta, Georgia, as they strive for a balance between athletics, academics, and relationships. It focuses on the members of the school's football team during the 2020 season, their first under the leadership of head coach Rush Probst. Jake Garcia, who was a Miami football recruit is also featured in this show as well and it's just straight into the lives of young teens as they try to balance their lives and oh yeah keep winning a lot of football games in a town that is football crazy so when you talk about football you talk about reality you're giving me access title town high on netflix was straight Fire! Don't show. Go check it out. All right, Titletown. Have you ever seen it, Fitty? And should we watch it together just like we watched Last Chance You together? No, I have not. This basically <laughs> just sounds like the real life Friday Night Lights. Maybe so. Maybe I. Maybe I'm intrigued a little bit. Okay, so we'll both watch it again. Last At your Chance House, You. Movie yep. yep 100%. Wednesday night, steak and potatoes. You can check out the aquarium. It'll be a great time. Next Fans one on feared. the list. Two a days, Hoover. Football, two a days being the title, Hoover football, Hoover High in Alabama. I remember watching this. This was, man, like mid 2000s? Is yeah. that right? Mm hmm. But enough from me. You tell me. Fire, fizzle, Hoover High. Well, when you talk about this football team, and it came out in 2006, by the way. So, yeah, we're talking way back in the day. Hoover High School, also one of the nation's greatest high school football teams. They're good every single year. It aired on MTV. And it wasn't just following teams during training sessions. It focused on their personal lives. And you wonder where a lot of them are today. They also got a chance to play against future NFL star, future Heisman Trophy winner. And I guess star for a little bit when we're talking about one. Timothy Tebow. Hallelujah for Tim Tebow. Just thought I'd throw that in there. But again, with two-a-days Hoover football, you're talking great high school football, the pressure to perform, going into the lives, I get access. So this gets a straight fire. I love the football reality show. That show was phenomenal. This was a little before your time, I believe, Fiddy. But watching two-a-days, watching even, yes, because... Tim Tebow did have that appearance, and nobody knew who Tim Tebow was at that point. He had not been crazy good. He was a quarterback at Nice, and then it was still. I think at that point now he was pretty big. Time. Oh no, but he, yeah. but but not like not like anything that he became for sure. And with Hoover, I think most people would recognize the Hoover High athletes, which is they certainly did. not the case now. They did, but Tim Tebow was ginormous coming out of Nice. But yes, next show. All right, next show. Total Divas. This one sounds Fizzle West, but I haven't seen it. I won't judge. You tell me. Total Divas Fire Fizzle. Listen, what do we talk about with reality shows? My number one rule is if there's good-looking women on it, I'm in. Okay. We're number talking one. about the WWE, the female wrestlers of the WWE. 
this is the show that got me back into wrestling, okay? You're talking about you get to follow them around at all times. It was about eight to ten of them featured at a time. But you also got to see on a more interesting note how they lived, how they traveled, the different tiers of wrestlers. Because when I first started watching, Nikki Bella was dating John Cena, who was living in a mansion, driving exotic whips. He was off the chain. But then you had wrestlers that were uh, lower on the totem pole. They were living in apartments, driving modest vehicles and things of that nature. So it was pretty cool. You had Trinity on there dating one of the Usos, arguably the greatest uh, tag team of all time. So it was very intriguing to get to see how wrestlers live. But at the crux of all this, like I said, there was tons of hot, hot female wrestlers on there. That show got me back into wrestling because I wanted to watch the women when they wrestled to see just how good they were. And so for that, folks, you know where this is going. I know where this is going. Total Divas is straight. Fire. Unbelievable. They need to bring it back. I guess this falls in the same neighborhood for you then, if that's your number one rule. Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders making the team. I don't know if you could hear that he had his mic turned off, but you could hear a faint, oh yeah, in the background. <laughs> oh yeah for you, Wes, or oh no from you? Well, there's a lot of people out there that doubt just how hard it is to be a professional cheerleader. They think they just get up there and if you're good looking, you're in. And that's what makes this show intriguing because, you know, a lot of little girls, especially in Dallas, Texas, grow up wanting to be Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. The show features hundreds of women trying out. You get the personal stories and things of that nature. And since the team doesn't totally change annually, viewers can get attached to certain women who are going out for this team. It is still running today, 15 plus years after debuting. Yes, I know what I said my rule was. So I think you know what's coming. I know what's coming. The Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders making the squad is straight. Fizzle is the Cowboys. Get it out of here. I don't care what it is. It's the Cowboys. If it was San Francisco 49er cheerleaders making the team, would this be fire? It'd be straight fire. Okay, just wanted to make sure. I thought we were going to go all fire there. I really did because the next one on the list is Last Chance You. And if there's anything that we know about from Wes, it's that he hates Aaron Rodgers. He hates <laughs> North Carolina football and basketball. And he loves Last Chance You. But I'll let you put the official seal on this thing. I'm sure it's fire. Just go ahead and make it a formality here, Wes. Multiple seasons. Profanity that you would run out of counting the words. Kids that just drive you up the wall. They're uber talented, but you soon realize with a lot of them why they are in junior college. This show is one of the most fascinating sports reality shows that you'll ever want to watch. And I'm not the biggest crier in the world, but I definitely shed a couple of tears on Last Chance You, especially when you get the follow-ups following up with guys like Isaiah Wright, who was involved in a in a murder deal that he ended up uh, not going to prison for but when you see him in that room in that bed living back I believe with his grandmother looking out the window talking about what he used to be I just shed tears thanking the Lord for Fonda Bryant and and the and the system that I had around me to keep me from being one of those guys man it, it, it really does so when you talk about the storylines Rajon Wright is on there from the Panthers if you haven't seen him you can check that out 
in the Laney High School and out of California. You're talking about guys that don't get scholarships at rank, at Laney High. They have jobs. Plus, you're talking about the, the high rent in Oakland, can't afford to live there. I mean, the stories, man. One dude brought his kid out to practice, had him in the stroller while he was doing inside drill. So when you talk about last chance, you, I definitely think you know what's coming this time. It is straight fire, arguably one of the best sports reality shows ever. Cut that music off. We got to a deep place for the exclamation point on fire <laughs> or fizzle. That'll do it for the staple of the week. Let's move on to the two o'clock hour. Let's kick it off with George Shahri from Pro Football Focus joining us coming up next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.